Welcome to Fish Across the Pond, a Miami Marlins UK podcast. This is episode 42. And for today, I'm delighted to be joined by Boog Shambi. Boog, how are What's we? What's going on? How are we? I love that. I, you got you used across the pond. I was going to be like the typical dorky yank and drop. Here I am across the pond, but you already you already got it in there. So there you go. Well, well, we I got to be honest. We we ran out of ideas when brainstorming the the name of this podcast a year ago. So <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. All right, that's probably why we we had some other other contenders and they were worse than fish across the pond. So anyway, I liked. Awesome to have you on, Boog. Um, it's a it's a bit of a weird space at the moment worldwide with the coronavirus pandemic, but how are you keeping yourself entertained? It's hard. I, you know, when you're, you're this time of year, I mean, I'm doing like a little bit of prep, but I've been going, I mean, the work component is checking in with some of the research people and ask them to look at stuff and going through old cards and stuff that I might be able to use again and try and be efficient, but it's challenging, man. Look, I'm lucky. I, I still have a job, but right now that job is to wait and, and see. I've done a lot of stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a daily basis, yeah, my, you know, again, I'm, I try, I live in New York City, so I, you know, I'm definitely feeling what's going on with the coronavirus. Mm. Um, you know, and there's some anxiety with that, but on a daily basis, yeah, there's not a lot of purpose to my life. <laughs> That's unfair. That's unfair. You're giving, you're giving my listeners uh, what we need anyway, which is going to be, well, we're going to have some fun. We're going we're gonna to go, go back to your Marlins era. Um, as you know, because we spoke before uh, we, we hit the record button, it was before my time following the team. So I'm going to use it as an education piece. But you know, before we get there, um, I think it's right for us to... Well, firstly, work out how many podcasts have you done in the last couple of weeks? Is you know, is it must be plenty. Um, <laughs> it's been a lot. It's been a, it's been a lot. I don't. I. I, I I'm. Uh, let's see. Since since we really settled into this, like over the last four weeks, I would say I'm I'm doing. I'm doing at least. I'd say close to one a day, wow. um, you know, of the, of the extended variety. And then I'll, I'm on radio stations and, and that type of thing. And then I walk around the house, I live alone and I'm talking to myself. So I'm, I'm still <laughs> talked out, you know, there you go. When, when you have, when the voice is the gift that you give to everyone, then, um, you know, you've got to, you know, got to keep walking around and, you know, keep it trained, but, um, Listen, with all these podcasts and everything that's going on and all the guys you'll be talking to, I'm pretty sure you're the man in the know. So what do you see what do you see in being the most likely outcome for Major League Baseball in 2020? It may not be easy to answer. I'm yeah, I'm not the guy in the know. I definitely <laughs> I, I talk to people in the league, I've talked to, you know, multiple managers within the last couple of days. Um I'm not, I think that if you asked me to pick it, and this is not, I mean, the Arizona idea has been put out there. I think that if I were to guess, I think that we'll have a season of in the neighborhood of 70 games. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it could start in Arizona and then maybe graduate to other places or be in an Arizona, Texas, Florida setting where you have kind of three dome stadiums as the anchors. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my thought process is this. You're still in a position where widespread, wide-scale testing is not available, um, and you can't give it to a league before you give it to New York, New Orleans, or Detroit. So that's the the first thing, you know, how do you handle a player testing positive is, is the main issue. You know, we're about to start a three game series with the Mets, but now their team's quarantined and it's scary, man. You know, like there's still, um, you know, there's a seriousness to this and what can happen that I, that I think at times we kind of 
loose. Look, we all love sports, but it's sports, man. Like, we're all surviving without sports right now. Like, we actually are. I don't, you know, my, you know, my job's not that important. Um, so, I, but I do think that, I think that baseball is going to have an opportunity, I think. I think it's probably going to get a little bit of pressure from the government. I think that baseball, because it's non-contact, and all this will be without fans, by the way, I think that baseball is going to have a chance to have kind of a moment, probably. And I think that that's going to be alluring. There's the money component as well that you can't, you can't get away from, that the owners and the players are going to want to play. So that's the way I lean, that I think it'll be some version of that. If, they, if it is a 70 or under scenario, I would love if they really just gave in and did, you know, some type of knockout tournament as the playoff format, not your standard, to do a 30-team knockout tournament where it's, you know, however they, they wanted to do. But I think that that would be – fun and draw eyeballs but look rewind it's got to be safe it has to be safe so i'm not sure i think that the people that i talk to are cautiously optimistic about some version of what i of what i talked about but again i also worry about the people on the margins you know if you're quarantining a team how do they get their food who cleans their rooms are we going to ask someone you're paying $10 an hour to not see their family for three months or four months? That doesn't seem particularly right or fair. Um, I think, it, you know, actually quarantining everybody is not, it's not as easy as it seems. So long-winded answer. That's what I do, by the way. I'm long-winded. And uh, it's, so I'm, I'm not sure, but it's going to be a while. The one other point that I would make it, is this, and it, you know, for if there are people that listen to your podcast that are, you know, fans of football over there, man, I don't know when we're going to see sports where fans are going to be in the stands. I'll tell you that. You know, my standard answer, and it's funny over here, I think there's a chance that we don't see U.S. professional sports with fans or college, major college sports with fans in the stands for a year. Yeah. Or at least until there's a vaccine. And I'm always surprised that the response, at least over here, is that people are surprised. Mm. They're like, really? A year? Huh? It's like, yeah, you need a vaccine. You, like, I don't know what everyone's thinking about. So anyway, um, that's kind of my take on it all. I'm with you. I'm with you uh, on all points. See, one thing you mentioned then that made me start a chuckle was talking about no fans in the seats and I could already hear the people laughing go well that's Marlins Park anyway right ha 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 I've already made that joke I you know <laughs> what, what, somebody said what will it be like what will it be like uh you know doing games with no fans in the stands and it's like well I I did do play-by-play -play for the 2001 Marlins you know I mean I can remember doing a play-by-play -play for an Expos Marlins game and we were in the we were in extra innings and you're at the old, the old park, whether it was Joe Robbie or Dolphin Stadium or whatever they wanted to call it, and it's the 12th inning. And I think we might have had a rain delay. So there's, there's 500 people there, maybe. And, you know, I call a pitch, you know, outside, two and one. And then you just hear a fan go, let's go Yankees! Like as loud, like he was sitting next to me. So, wow, um, yeah. Well, let's let's dive into into the Marlins a little bit. Um, actually, yeah. sorry, before we do, if if there is a I don't know a, a seventy game season or less or something, does that does that improve the chances for the Marlins to to win whatever title there is for next season or this season? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. There we go. Yeah, absolutely. It does. Hey, look, here's the. I mean, this is just the reality of it. You know, for for not to take it to a stat place, but it's a little bit how my brain works, but it's like people think in, people think that 
the good teams know how to win close games. And maybe there's a little bit of that. But the reality is the good teams beat people's asses. Mm. Like, that's what they do. Like, what, what's Liverpool doing? Like, beside, like they just annihilate people. So, like, that's what the good teams really do. And so my point to answer your question is, if you played Michael Jordan one-on-one and you wanted your best chance to beat him, would you play him the one or would you play him the 21? <laughs> I play think him you'd the play, one. play the one, wouldn't you? And so the fewer games that you have, the greater chance, you know, the fringier teams will have. And for this season, like, I'm in, man. I, I under, Baseball has a lot of traditional stuff and so forth. But, I, you know, as I like to point out, Bonds hit the most homers, okay? It just – that's what happened. And you, you're always going to think about the stuff that goes along with Barry Bonds. Mm-hmm. 2017 Astros – you're never going to bring up the 2017 Astros and not talk about the trash cans banging. But they won, and we don't need to take the trophy from them. In a similar way, if they play seven games in a 30-team knockout tournament, for everybody to like, how many games do you need to have for a legit – like 2020 will be 2020, and you'll always remember it, and you're going to get the trophy. Maybe the Marlins will win it all, and I'm good with it. Yeah, it That's my take. I'm okay with that one too. <laughs> I, do you know what? I, I think it's interesting. Um, there's a lot of tradition in baseball and the way the, the season, how the season is structured, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe this gives an opportunity to move away from that and to test something in a real environment for the first time with, you know, with all the stuff that's going on and you can Absolutely. try some new concepts that perhaps okay. have always been there, but history is... They're going to have to. I think, I think that this is the perfect time to do it if we get a chance to get there. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. You know, I, I, I think that the three things happening in a sport right now, can you see three? Um, are you going to use the video or what are we, or are we, what, oh, how are we doing? With, with that hairstyle, the video needs to be, needs to be. All right. So, so then I, I'm going to, I have a presentation to make. Um, so uh, with those three things that happen and those three things are, the game's getting longer. There's more time between pitches, and there's more time between the ball being in play. Those three things together, it's a problem for the long-term success of this sport. If you wanted to go walk, strike out, homer, and it's cut off at two and a half hours, I think you'd be okay. But you can't have all three of them. You can't have the game trending longer, the amount of time between pitches trending longer, the amount of time between the ball being in play trending longer. You just It's not good for the long-term viability of this sport, especially in attention, short attention span, I love my phone world. Like, it just – it's not going to work. So they've got to think about some, some ways to, um, to, to, you know, to – whether it's a hyper pitch clock, I've suggested, I think something, you know, in the 15 second range, I think that it, something really fast would probably elevate the level of contact. Um, you know, if they want to investigate shortening games or putting a clock on it, like, I think you got to be open all possibilities. And to your point, this would be a good test case scenario. Yeah. It, it gives, it creates an opportunity. Let's see what they do with that. But, <laughs> Hair's looking on point as well. I must yeah, we're say. All right. we're all right. Okay, you're covered. Um, right, let's dive into it then. So you were down in Florida covering the Florida Marlins at the time. From they were the Florida Marlins. All right, hang on one second. I got a bunch of stuff that I'll show you. Can you ha- can, like you just got a vamp? Like this is. I know you're not. I know this isn't your first job, but like I gotta. It's in. It's it's. It'll take me 11 seconds to go get it. Sounds so good. You just gotta talk though. He's like, not everyone's gonna see. So you ready? So like I'll be the producer in your ear and like you gotta vamp in three, two, one, go. I've got it. I've got it covered. So this is now tougher than expected. <laughs> but John's just run off to to go and dig something out. Who knows what this memorabilia piece will be? All right. Time will tell. Here you go. But he's back. Here we go. I'm back. Back. All right. So 
Here is the 1997 Marlins championship Ooh. ring. Wowzers. Yeah. That is a beauty. Who, whose was that? Or who, is it yours? Mine. They gave me a ring. What? How did you get a ring? Were you throwing strikes? I, I was a broadcaster. <laughs> I'm teasing you. Oh. Wow. That is awesome. So there's that one. And it's got, let's see here. Okay. Right. So it says, Mar it says fifth season. Um, and my name. And then. Wow. You got that. And it came in. In this cool box, wait, is this the right? Yeah, this is it. 19, eh, you're not going to be able to, it's too, it says my name on it. And then, drum roll, here's the monster one. Whoa. 2003. Wow, they, they, they went colorful yeah. with the 2003 version. Yeah, I mean, this thing is like 3D, it's ridiculous. Look, it's. Wow. I mean, that is. That is impressive. Yeah. Well, here's the main follow-up question is, when was the last time you wore them out? <laughs> I have no idea. And then, what is this? This is, this I think is a game-worn hat from the, the 03 World Series. Wow, oh, loving it. I can't remember whose hat it was. And then, uh, yeah, so there you go. Well, um, sorry. I, I don't know. Warm, it's been it's been a while. It's been it's been years. It's not my thing, you know. Like I'm just I'm not I'm not I'm grateful that they they gave them to me. Um, you know, '97. I'm answering a question you didn't ask. '97 was my first year, so I was a rookie. Um, I. I was learning how to broadcast. I was pre-game, post-game, and in-game scores. I didn't really get to do full-time play-by-play for a few years, but I traveled. Mm -hmm. So baseball was always my love. You know, I was – I just – I loved it. I was a Phillies fan as a kid. And, you know, that was a veteran team with – and a really good team. Kevin Brown and Al Leiter and Gary Sheffield and Alex Fernandez and Jeff Conine and Darren Dalton. And, yeah, so I, I was just learning how to be in that setting. So you learn, like, you go in a clubhouse and, like, yeah, you don't sit down in the clubhouse because you're not, you know, it's not your clubhouse. And I think I really learned to just kind of be seen, not heard. And then they, they won, which was incredible. Um, it was a veteran-type team. There was a kid they traded for, a second baseman, who was a rookie and was my exactly my age, um, went to Notre Dame, I went to Boston College, that I became friendly with um, named Craig Council. And are, we're still, you know, good friends. And that team had a lot of, you know, good veteran players, and I – I learned it, you know, with Joe Angel and Dave O'Brien and Jim Leland and those guys taught me so much. And then they broke the team up. Mm. And there's an irony to it for me as a broadcaster. You know, they broke this team up. And I think because I had handled myself well, all these guys scattered to different teams. And then I was every day doing a pregame interview and going and interviewing guys um and it it helped that i knew guys on different teams to go and ask them for interviews and stuff like that so mm -hmm. but i mean the, the i can still remember the tension of the 97 series and then you know 03 was a group of guys that had been around you know like mike lowell alex gonzalez luis castillo and Derek lee that was the infield and I think they'd been the infield for at that point probably four to five years. Yeah. Um, you know, and and that group was more my age. Um, 03 was, you know, for me probably the one that I that I remember more distinctly, more clearly, and and yeah, yeah those guys still it puts a smile on my face.
Well, just let me let me go back to '97. So we're in. You're in Game Seven. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a a walk off in what the eleventh inning. Eleventh yeah. inning was it? Walk off. Um, for the Marlins to to win their first World Series. Edgar <laughs> Renteria knocked in. Council scored the the winning run, and I can remember going on the field. Um, because I, I did the post-game interviews, and I just can remember, you know, I, and I was doing it during the playoffs, but I remember after they won and going onto the field and just 60, you know, that place held like 65,000 people and kind of coming up the dugout steps, and they're still out there celebrating and being like, whoa. <laughs> you know, just, the, just the, the, the fans still cheering and the joy, it was uh, – and it was tense. You know, they were, they were down. I think the other thing, too, is there's a stigma around that team because they spent so much money on free agents, you know. So they had gone out and gotten uh, – for that season, they had signed Moise Salou. Um, they had signed Bobby Bonilla. They had signed Alex Fernandez. They spent a lot of money in free agency. They were a top five payroll. Mm. And so, you know, like people kind of thumb their nose at, at that as a, you know, as a team in year five of franchise history. But it was a really good team with a really good manager. I bet. I mean, what, once everyone got off the field, what happened next? Did everyone just go and get absolutely loose and, you know, get on the beers or? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the, the party in the clubhouse was incredible. I, you know, the, everything's covered in plastic and everybody's, everybody's drinking and um, gosh, that, I mean, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a big, there were, I mean, you're doing interviews for a long, a pretty long period of time that night. And yeah, it was, it was amazing. I think, Oh, three, I probably remember a little bit more. I think the thing I remember, you know, especially was in 03, the LCS was the big thing. You know, they were down to their, their final five outs, down 3-1 at Wrigley Field. You're thinking, oh, wow, the Cubs are going to go to the World Series. Um, and, and then the Bartman play, and then Alex Gonzalez for the Cubs makes the error. And the Marlins come back, and it was oh my gosh, that was that was pretty incredible. And then to the World Series, and I do remember that we went, yeah, we went to some club um, down in the Meatpacking District in New York City, and that's in 2003. And the Meatpacking District in 2003 wasn't like it. I mean, now you know everybody goes there now. It wasn't as you know, it, 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 it was, it was cooler then. It was cooler then. <laughs> so, uh, they've ruined no, it. It was, it was amazing. That was, I mean, and Yankee stadium. And even though I grew up in New York, a Phillies fan to be in New York, it was, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. I, I bet. I mean, after the 97 win and then the fire sale, uh, after that, what was the vibe like around the team then in like, you know, 98? It, it was hard. The fans were upset. You know, they felt betrayed and understandably so. I think there was already, you know, if you compare Miami and Denver, if you think about in 93, people flocked to see that team. In 94, they did as well. But if you compare those two markets post-strike, Wayne Izenga was a big anti-union guy. Um, was really active in wanting to break the union. He's the owner of the Marlins at the time. And, yeah, I would say whether that – how much that factored in, but the bottom line was the fans didn't come back in Miami post-strike, um, you know, for the 95 season the way they did in Denver. Mm -hmm. And then eventually they won – but during the regular season, they never really 
it was still, a, you know, they, they, they went and spent all the money and it, it, there was a surge and the, the playoffs were nuts. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, they didn't come all the way back. And then the fire sale just, you know, the team in 2000 or in 1998 lost 108 games. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, and even, you know, if you take it all the way through to 2003, I mean, I can remember doing games in 2003 in September, and there was no one there. Wow. Well, they say, I mean, obviously the attendance has been an issue for for the Marlins for some years now. And the view is, well, you know, they'll they'll return when the team gets good. But I guess, yeah, it's a tough market anyway, it's isn't it? And that's, that's the thing. It's a tough market. It's a tough market. There's no – it's it's challenging. It's Look, it's just – it's one of those things – I did talk radio down in Miami for a long stretch. I feel connected to the market. Um, you know, it's still part of it feels like home. Um, I can't totally, it's a, it's a complicated market. And I don't care what anybody says, but there's no way Derek Jeter had any idea what he was getting into. <laughs> yeah. Just, it's a confusing place, man. It's not. I don't think as a sports town that they love baseball that much. Um, But there's a group of diehards there, no doubt. And it's complicated. You know, people – look, I grew up in New York, and people tried – the weather was certainly an issue at times. I mean, you had those summer storms in South Florida where, you know, it would just – rain and you dealt with rain delays all the time so eventually they got the you know the retractable roof but man it's it's complicated and I don't know exactly what the the answer is I think you'd need to put a good team in there for an extended period a little bit like the way things have finally gone with the heat like I think Mm. it'll take a while that you know the, the heat that's the team now and yeah. they've, you know, nobody expected the Heat to be good this year, and they've still drawn or to be the level that they've been, and they drew really well. And I think that it dovetails off of the years, the LeBron Wade years. Um, so I, it's a complicated market. It just, it just is. I think um, I don't know, I don't quite know what the solution is. But you know, people tried to talk about there's so much to do there. I don't know. I, as you know, my joke was like everyone makes it out like you know people weren't going to Marlins games because everybody's out windsurfing. You know what I mean? Like, what are we Obama. talking about here? You Obama. know, like there's plenty. There's plenty. I'm joking, but there's there's plenty of stuff to do in a lot of cities in the summer. Um, so I, I'm not I'm not sure what it is. It's you know, look, the people that are going to listen to this podcast are Marlins fans and baseball fans. So I, I'm I'm in good. It's just I don't know if there are enough of them. <laughs> That's it. That 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 may be true, but you know, time will tell. It, it you know, I think your view is uh, a fair one in terms of you know the team needs to be good for an extended period, and you know that I think that's what the Marlins are trying to do right now in their strategy. So it's possible yeah. whether they turn out to be good enough is the next no question. Um, Absolutely, I'm interested. What was? What was the atmosphere like in the old the old stadium? I, I I I don't even know what to call it. Was it pro player or was it was that something different? So it was pro player. It was sorry. It was Joe Robbie Stadium initially, and then pro player, and then Dolphin Stadium. Right. Were the three were the three main yeah. three main names. When it was full, I mean, it was loud. <laughs> yeah. I mean, loud. But, you know, it, for however, you know, whatever the reason, the way the sound worked in that place. But, yeah, it was loud in there. And it was, I mean, the playoff atmosphere was absolutely sensational. Yeah. All the years, no doubt. Have you ever seen, is it, does it compare to anywhere else in terms of an atmosphere in the playoffs? Um, man, it's so... Not really. It's kind of unique. I mean, I've been to louder places, but but it's so darn big, mm-hmm. you know. So like big, full, loud, and it's a multi-purpose stadium. Yeah. Um. So it was different, but it was. I mean, it had 
make no mistake, during both playoff runs, I mean, that place had juice. Like, it was – holy cow. It was loud and fun and – yeah, and it had you know it had some of the Latin flavor as well. It was it was great. It was great. I bet. What was I mean? This probably isn't easy to answer, but when in your time covering the Marlins, what was your favorite moment? I don't know if there could be one single one. Yeah, I, no, my I mean, so I mean, personally, my I think getting to call Alex Gonzalez walk off homer in Game Four, that was that was it. That I got that was that I got to do that was was pretty great it you know it was I guess the 11th inning they could have brought Rivera in instead it was Jeff Weaver and Marlins Park and and the Yankees are up in the series 2-1 if the Marlins don't win that game they're not winning that series I don't think um but Marlins Park the way you know again multi-purpose stadium so it had a high wall in left and, you know, I mean, a little bit akin to the green monster, but it, it had a high wall in left, mm-hmm. but it had a high wall in left that didn't start right away. There was like a window basically okay. between the pole and where it started. So there's this little gap where it's, I want to say 330, 335 down the line and a standard eight foot fence. Okay. And that probably was eight to 10 feet. And then the high wall started. So then you had to hit it over, you know, a a wall that was probably 20 some odd feet. Gonzalez Homer goes down the line and it was just a low line drive. You could tell it kind of, it, it, it hooked and, and it, it was headed towards that, you know, that space, you know, it was like cornhole almost. If you, if you've ever played cornhole, it was like that. And it was headed towards that little, that little area. So he hits like just a, a low line drive that found the space between the foul pole and where the high wall starts. Um, and I actually still – oh, you know what? We got – so we'll – hang on one second. All right, got a bet. Three, two, one, go. Hang on. <laughs> He's off again. He's digging into his, his box of tricks here. Um, we've already had two World Series <laughs> two World Series rings. A game-worn hat from the 2003 World Series. Oh, what – so, so, You ready? So this is, this is what – this is – so they made a bottle opener of the call. Yeah, go on. All right. Hang on. Yeah, there you go. Love it. Get those bottle openers over to the UK quick. You know, like, I, nobody needs to know, but, like, I was late. And I could have had all this stuff out, and instead... I keep getting up and walking away. So, <laughs> I'm getting the complex now, but I tell you, there's wh- what? Where is this room? It's, it's obviously nearby. I mean, is it just packed full? Of- I was in the kitchen. I keep that in the kitchen. <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, you know, for all those beers we need. That's right. All these Coronas at this point. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, listen, there's uh, a couple of other things just to touch on before um, we finish off with a, a quick fire round. Yeah, I, I was just interested to 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 understand what if any the differences in access to players these days you know from what it was like in like the late 90s and to today how that varies and how it differs and like the players and your communication and how you guys engage wow. that is an awesome and totally relevant question i haven't been asked that question and i love that question awesome and the answer is it's changed significantly so in 1993, the Marlins' first year, I got there towards the end of the year. I worked for the radio station, the flagship radio station. And then I had a season pass that eventually I would take and go do games into a tape recorder up in the press box. But your access most days was the clubhouse for a 7 o'clock game would it open at 3.30 and you had access inside there 
I would say for two and a half hours or thereabouts. And once you were in, you, you could go in and out and in and out. Um, now, as a broadcaster, you know, that was probably even more flexible for me. You know, they were, I was on the team playing. They were used to me. But from a media standpoint, there were less of them. So there was, you know, less than now just because of social media and that type of thing. It was just different. And, and so, so now I would say every place has more people and less access. Right. Like okay. that, that's the way. That's a bad so example. most clubhouses, you're in there for one hour. The players know what the hour is and they hide. Right. Whereas, and now the other point, I mean, there's, there's so many things in the mix here, but, you know, Camden Yards had come about by 97, I think 1992 was its first year, two or three. That was like the first new stadium and all the new stadiums would make players lounges. But in the old days, you know, the clubhouse was, you know, they're, they play cards in the clubhouse. There wasn't a, and a play, you know, there might be a, like a little bit of a food room, but so what, you know, as the, the stadiums got more modern, there were places for the players to go hide and hang out. Whereas back in 97, they had a lounge, but it was, I mean, it's not a ton bigger than my office. And, and, you know, there were places that they could still go hide, but guys would just sit at their chairs in front of their lockers. There's way less of that now. So access is harder. Um, hmm. I, it's, and look, I get it on the, you know, so it's challenging. So you'd have beat writers that were around all the time. And some guys would just, you know, you'd sit there and you'd just be stuck stalking in the clubhouse waiting for somebody to come out um and it's not our clubhouse it's their clubhouse but i think that because those beat writers were around all the time there was still a little more comfort now i mean you go to the yankee clubhouse now for example and it's hysterical the clubhouse is open for an hour and it's basically 35 media people standing in this giant clubhouse and there are two players in there with 40 locker stalls. Yeah. And there needs to be some – and look, I, I get it. And you have plenty of people that don't have as much media training that now have access. Um, it, it's – yeah, it's, it's gotten limited. But I'll also say, you know, look – there's there are more outlets and it's it's a challenge for them to filter out all the requests and that type of thing so i i'm not sure what the answer is but i will tell you for like less access is not a good thing for you the fan it's just not and i and i and and it it doesn't just apply to sports whatever anybody wants to say about it about the media um Man, it, you you I you don't understand what you take for granted. Not but not that we're so awesome, but that we're the conduit. That all of the you know what if you're an Alabama football fan or you know if you're a fan of Liverpool, if you literally never got a, anything, if you never heard from Jurgen Klopp at a certain point, like if we stop that, yeah. and he's awesome by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would significantly cut into your. I don't, you know, everybody's like, ah, I don't care if they don't get access. But at a certain point, you would. And if you don't realize what you're getting, what's being provided, um, so it, it's not headed in a, in a in a great direction for a sport that needs all the help that it can get. You know, I got a chance to do a game. I don't know that you guys got to see it, but I did one of ESPN's all-access TV games this spring, and I was on with Jessica Mendoza and Jesse Rogers as the reporter, 
And Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant were mic'd up. And oh, it yeah. was so, awesome. amazing. Awesome. I mean, amazing. Now, I'm not advocating for in a high leverage spot that I should be able to talk in Anthony Rizzo's ear. But I am advocating for if Kyle Hendricks isn't pitching, yeah, probably should be, I mean, if he wants to, should be allowed to have a back and forth conversation because I just, I, I just think that you were, you, that was access. We were taken into the dugout mm -hmm. and <clears throat> You know, again, it's a baseball movie, but have you, have you ever seen The Sandlot? Never seen it, but I should have seen it. Whatever, it's fine. But there, so the catcher is Hamilton Porter, is the fat redheaded kid. So at one point I said to the two of them, they're in the dugout, and I just, you know, the game's going on. It's a spring training game. And I say, you guys think I look like the fat redheaded kid from Sandlot? And Brian goes, Hamilton Porter? He's like, that was my alias at the hotel on the road for the last five years. So now you learn something, you know. There you go. And then I say, Riz, ask David Ross, the Cubs manager, what's his alias? And he leans back, hey, Dave, Skip, what's your alias on the road? Jake Taylor, who's the catcher from Major League. Perfect. You know I mean? so that type of stuff is – you know, we need more of that. But even just being able to tell the guy's stories, it's important, man. It's, you know, I had a thing with Chipper Jones this year or last year where I told this great story about an interaction that I had with him. And then he looked up at me in, you know, in the booth because I had told him, you don't see a lot of first pitch strikes. And he said, yeah, but I usually get fastballs on the first pitch. And why I asked him why he'd been swinging at it. And so that night he goes up and he takes a fastball right down the middle for the first pitch. And he just stares up at me in the booth like, yeah, thanks, jackass. And, but that doesn't happen without access. Yeah. It doesn't happen without my connection to Chipper, me having a conversation with Chipper. It, it doesn't happen. You need that access. And, and you're, you're, on levels that you don't even realize it's 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 very important so i tell you that that mic'd up stuff that was happening throughout spring was was awesome and there was that had the most buzz going i think throughout the whole of spring when you had these players the, the braves i think had it on a one game there was a pop-up to center field and Freddie Freeman's mic'd up and he's, and you know, he doesn't even run well. And Freddie's really funny. And Chipper was in the booth for that game, but that ball goes in the air and Freddie just takes off and he's racing around second on what looks like a routine pop-up yelling. There's a win boys. There's a win boys. And then like, Oh, he's going to score. He's going to score. And he's like doing play by play as he's going around third. And the best part about it, the really not the best but one of the great things about it was, look, the fans loved it. The other media loved it. The players loved it. Mm. I mean, I like players are so bored now. I was on a podcast with Ian Happ and Nico Horner have a podcast now, two of the two guys from the Cubs. Right. And they said that guys that day normally who would go home, stay in the clubhouse and watch, and that they talked to guys on other teams who were yeah. sitting there in the clubhouse normally would go home and they stayed and watched. I mean, if you're hooking other players with it, it's, it tells you the content's pretty good. Yeah, agreed. Agreed with you on that one. Um, that was a lot of fun. And you're right, the, the Cubs the Cubs stuff was good. And uh, yeah, the Braves, the Braves won too. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a big It had to be. It had to be done. <laughs> Good. Well, um, listen. Let's um, let's actually one one final question before I've got this. I've got a quick fire round to finish up. But okay. one other thing I was interested in. Um, you mentioned earlier that you're a Phillies fan. Um, how how is it when you're doing play by play for other teams and what are rival teams to the Phillies in both? You know the Marlins. Oh, I'm not a Phillies fan anymore. Oh <laughs> no 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 no. No, I mean, that's what I grew up as. But, like, yeah, you grow up as a Phillies fan, and then you're on the team plane sitting next to Larry Rothschild, the pitching coach, asking him questions and sitting next to 
Alex Fernandez who doesn't like to fly or Mike Lowell or any of those guys. No, it becomes as personal as, as personal as you think it is as a fan. It, like when they're sitting with, like it's personal, man. Yeah. I, the the best example I could give you, you know, again for most of the people over there that are football fans, but so okay. So my question to you would be: You're a Liverpool fan. Yeah. What is it? Everton, Man City, or Man U is the other team, the team you hate the most. I think the biggest, the actual biggest rivalry is Man United. I think. Okay. So. If tomorrow I made you go to Man United and you were their broadcaster or pregame announcer and you did a Man U podcast and you traveled with them and you were with them every day, I promise you, you would eventually find yourself in a spot where you would root for Man U against Liverpool. Wow. You would. Wow. That'd be tough. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand. You, over time, you embrace yourself in the culture and you just get, get those connections that I guess you've never had with Liverpool like I wouldn't have had. You know, you... But right, but the other thing, is, that's right. You have connections with, like, so my connection to the Phillies was Mike Schmidt, but, like, and even I met him, but, like, I didn't know Mike Schmidt. Yeah. But, like... I'm sitting next to Mike Lowell on the bus every day. Yeah, exactly. I don't like it when Mike's bummed out that he's over his last 14. I feel bad for him. Like, I, you know, I sit next to him every day. I talk to him. I like Mike Lowell. Yeah. What, about, I mean? what about when he went to the Braves? How, how you know, forget about the Marlins. And <laughs> now, the one thing I'll tell you that, that was interesting as far as that was they kind of did it again. So I, I left the Marlins at the end of 04. They had a great team in 05 um, that just kind of underachieved. And then, and then they blew it up again. And so by the time I – by the time I – so I did ESPN 05, 06 and didn't do a team. And by the time I got to the Braves in 07 – that core group was gone. Mm -hmm. Beckett and Lowell were gone. Cabrera was still there. Um, and Don Trell was still there. I guess, yeah. I'm tr I think. I, but, you know, eventually they went to the Tigers. And then, it, like, that, the Marlins weren't the Marlins that I was connected to. There you go. Now, I don't know what it would have been like if it had been that exact same group that won. I'm sure it would have been harder, but then at a certain point, it's like I'm with Brian McCann and Jeff Francoeur and Kelly Johnson and Chipper Jones and John Smoltz and Tom Glavin. You're just around them every day, you know? Yeah. Not a, not a bad group to be around either, I suppose. So. No, they were great. They were great. <laughs> good, good. Right, listen, let's, let's round things up with a, a quick fire round. I, uh, when you were mentioning earlier about um, uh, unskilled or uh, or I don't know what the phrase that you used was about um, underqualified media, I was thinking of myself particularly talking to Miguel Rojas a few weeks back. So that kind of popped in. Ah, uh, no, no, you <laughs> they let me lose. I, I'm I'm the one that's completely annihilated this podcast. I do not. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm assuming that you're the editor as well, and I I I mean. You are going to have to edit. The, I mean, I've, I've literally left the podcast twice. <laughs> There's one thing I should have told you, Boog, before I hit record. There is no editing in this podcast. We I like it. That's what I'm talking about. There's a laziness to that, but you can also dig your heels in. I love it. I'm in. You know, we got we to gotta roll with it as is. It's, it's I also, I so desperately want to do, like, the picture yeah. like your daughter back there. You know, you'll start snoozing, though. That's a good point. Um, right, let's finish it up here. So, there's about 10 questions. Give me your immediate, you got. immediate answer. Very busy. I'm very busy. Yeah, exactly. Busy. exactly. We've got to yeah. get you out of here. You've got your next podcast. Yeah, got to go. I got to. Right, to get you warmed up, yep. favorite beer? 
I, so we'll we'll do it. Not a big beer guy. Like uh, I like Jameson. Uh, I like vodka and I like red wine. Mm, good. I'm a red wine man as well. So there we go. Yeah. Right. Favorite ballpark. It's a tie. It's Fenway and it's Oracle in San Francisco. I think San Francisco of the new parks is small parcel of land, great fans. The view on a sunny day is just breathtaking. And Fenway's fans are sensational. And it's still got, even though it's been redone, it still takes you back to you know, the early 1900s. So yeah. those, it, those are my two. This one's been topical on Twitter the last couple of days. Favorite MLB jersey? I thought you were going to say, because of the last dance, I thought you were going to say LeBron or Jordan. Um, <laughs> well, I, uh, favorite MLB, like of all time? You can have all time. I'm okay with that. Um... I'll have to look it up, though, probably. <laughs> My favorite MLB jersey of all time. It's funny. I Like, this is one of those. Have you? Look, can I ask you something? I'm, I'm doing this again. This is what happens when I do your job. So, <laughs> have you bought anything weird during this? No, I, do you know what? I've bought – I wouldn't say it's weird, but I've bought – what I have bought is a load of red wine in a boat okay. as a boatload. I've bought That's a load not weird. That's not weird, is it? That's fine. No. Um, red wine has been the top of the list. And then I've also bought loads of, like, clothes for home, if that makes sense. Like loungewear, if yeah. I, you know, yeah. and, and that stuff. Loungewear. Weird. All right, so I bought a foot massager. <laughs> like, I had one of those, like, I couldn't sleep. And, like, that's so not my thing. And it's under the desk. I have not utilized it during this interview. But it's like you slide your feet into this, like, circular bowl and then you turn the switch on and it massages your feet um i don't know what the point of that was but anyway <laughs> i have a foot massager that's that that's one of the things that i bought I Favorite, so, eyes oh, so the, the point was i almost bought this jersey and it's i think it's my favorite jersey of all time it's more personal the fi go look at look this up but Google the important parts. The Phillies road jerseys from the 80s years. Okay. The Phillies road jerseys were zipper front. Okay. They zipped up. So that was my, that was my favorite jersey. All right. Were these, yeah. these aren't like the baby blue ones that knock around. Are they before that? Yeah, they're, they're blue. Yeah, they're blue. But, they're, but they were zipper front, not button front, and probably a little darker than what the Phillies are rocking now. Okay. I'm going to have to dig that. I'm gonna, I'll check that out and see if I can find them. They sound – yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm probably glad to see the zipper's gone maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I think, I think so, but it's still kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. All right, cool. A couple more to go. Favorite current player? Um, ooh. Who is my favorite current player? Um, is it? I don't know whether it's Trout. Um, I'm. I think. Eh, I think uh, uh, my favorite hitter is Yelich, probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like. I like watching. I. You know what? Yelich's probably my favorite guy to watch hit. I think. Betts, Mookie Betts, probably. Good. Well, I mean, take your pick of those guys, hey? There's some, yeah, top, right. some top players there for sure. Yeah. Um, here's one as well for you. This has uh, been sent across by one of the one of the listeners yesterday. The, yes. Your favorite redhead worldwide. <laughs> worldwide redhead. Um, I don't know what the, what the pool is of, of... Yeah, it's not big. I mean, I guess I could say Boog Powell, right? That's where your name came from, right? That's where my name came from. Um, I could say Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Will everybody over there get pissed off when I say Prince Harry? No. Okay. That's fine. Uh, 
there's a bit of a resemblance there, particularly in the hairstyle as well at the moment. Like you, you I'll go Prince Harry. It's fine. We'll go Prince Harry. Prince yeah, I, if, if I'm if I'm a little thinner, I so I I had that happen. I was in an elevator, I like when I was I was way way thinner, and I was doing games. I don't know when this was, but I I had uh, headphones in, and I was in an I was in an elevator, and I can remember it was like four people, and the woman across from me, like nodding at someone, and then nodding at me, and then going. <laughs> it's like no i'm not prince harry you didn't so, roll with it you didn't give him the royal handshake or anything no no no, <laughs> no, no. i don't know the royal handshake <laughs> let's don't google that one that could bring up all sorts of uh okay all sorts of erroneous results um okay right okay a uh, couple more to go who wins a world series next the marlins or the braves and this may seem like an obvious one, but... Braves. Yeah, yeah. I feared you'd say that. Yeah. All right. Favorite international baseball location? And what I mean by that is Mexico, Japan, England, the places that have, have, have had games recently. You know what? I, I, I've done Puerto Rico and I've done Japan. Um, Japan's really cool, but I, I hope we go back to London. So I'm going to say London. Good I will patronize you, your listeners, and this podcast. You know, you know your audience here, Boog. You're working the audience. Right, final two. I don't know the answer to this. Favorite soccer team? Do you have one? I don't even know if you do. My guy, I, I, I gotta give it up. My, my buddy Danny Donicky. Everton is, is my, is my club. I, I pull for, for them. Um, but I like it. I got. I did a trip for me and two buddies uh, for 50th birthday. We went over, and three straight nights we saw. Uh, we went at Old Trafford, um, at Liverpool, and then we saw Champions League at Stamford Bridge. Three straight nights. It was pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Everton it is then. Um, so we've we've got that rivalry now in common, which will be fun. Yes. Um, Right, and this, this wasn't designed as the final question. It's just happened this way. So it may be a bit of a, a poor ending, but I'll roll with it anyway. Um, your favorite ever home run derby? Home run derby? Yeah. <laughs> um, man, I, I think last year's probably. Yeah. I, the the I, one in Cle- it was insane. It's awesome. It, I mean, these dudes, like, it's funny because – Alonzo won, but like Guerrero and Jock were incredible. And the other thing that I always remember about that home run derby is Acuna like hitting home runs. And then at a certain point, it was like, I think I'm going to start hitting them to right center. And then just starts like slapping the ball over the right center field wall. The talent was just incredible so I, I think i would say last year's do you know what i i knew the result of it but when the the derby happened on whatever whatever date it was i i was in the middle of a, a work trip so didn't actually get a chance to watch it and i'd never watched it in full until last weekend and i just popped it on i went do you know what the time is now yes. opened up a bottle of red got into the whole and i must say it was exceptional for a it was great a, <laughs> really good awesome. yeah Really right. good. The Acuna thing where he just decided he's just going to start hitting the right center for no reason. Yeah. But he just, time after time, just hit it there. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Vlad. Was fun. Vlad. Wow. But I mean, for me, when I look back at that one, for me, it was just the Jock Peterson could keep pace with Vlad. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. I yeah. was blown away by that. Yeah. Um, right. So we'll finish on Jock Peterson then. I mean, I didn't expect to finish there either, but, you know. We... <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Boog, that's been a lot of fun. This, yeah. this is going to have no editing for sure. Um, I love it. It's been, <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. And um, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk and, you know, go back to some of the old Marlins days and uh, equally take out the memorabilia too. I hope, uh, yeah, I, I hope I get a chance to see it over there or – 
at a Marlins game uh, at some time, you know, in the next year or so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you and me both on that one. So, good man, Boo. Good to talk. Thanks again. We'll speak soon. Thanks, Thanks to everybody for listening. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy.